You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by AstraZeneca's Your Cancer Program, which spotlights and elevates the difference makers in cancer treatment and care. Learn more at www.yourcancer.org. On October 17th, the Washington Post Live hosted Chasing Cancer, a live event featuring the nation's most influential cancer warriors, trailblazers, and advocates. In 2013, Grammy Award-winning rock band Imagine Dragons co-founded the Tyler Robinson Foundation to honor the legacy of a young fan who died from a rare form of cancer. In this segment, here are the Dragons talk about the meaningful work they do with the foundation and how they help families deal with the many unseen emotional and financial costs of pediatric cancer. Let's listen. I'm Paige Winfield Cunningham, health policy reporter here at The Post and author of the Health 202 newsletter. I'm honored and excited to introduce my guests. They are members of the Grammy award-winning band Imagine Dragons. Daniel, Pl- Daniel Platzman, Ben McKee, Wayne Sermon, and next to me is Dan Reynolds. So thank you for being here. Thanks Thanks so much for having us. The the band has done philanthropic work for a number of causes, including LGBT youth, civil rights, and cancer awareness. In 2013, the Dragons started the Tyler Robinson Foundation, which is a nonprofit that helps the families of children suffering with cancer battle the many unseen costs of the disease. I want to remind for those of you watching, we're here to have you join our conversation through Twitter. If you have a question, you can tweet them to us using the hashtag postlive, and I will relay them. Dan, I want to start with you. Tell us about Tyler Robinson, how you met him, what is his story? Um, In the early stages of the band, when we were uh, pre-signed, so we were still playing small clubs uh, across the West Coast, Utah, Las Vegas, uh, California, to rooms of about 200 people. Um, We were still small enough that we were able to connect pretty closely with our fans, and um, I remember one day prior to a show in Utah that you saw a glimpse of, um, uh, I got a message on Facebook from Tyler's older brother, Jesse. Tyler was 16 at the time. He had just been diagnosed with cancer um, and was going uh, through chemo. Uh, and his brother basically said, uh, you know, this has been a really hard thing for Tyler, obviously, in our family. Um, but Tyler has been listening to your EP. We, had, at the time, had just put out an EP with a song called It's Time, um, which ended up being our first single later on. And it had a line in it that said, the path to heaven uh, runs through miles of clouded hell. And he said, you know, every time he does chemo, he listens to this song, and it's kind of his, his, his song. And so, you know, tonight we're going to be at the show at the Velour, which is a small club in Utah. And uh, so if you see us, you know, cool. He really didn't ask for anything at all. That was that was it. Um, and so when we played that show that night, uh, his brother kind of held him up on his shoulders, and it ended up being this really powerful moment, maybe the most impactful moment of our ten-year career. Um, I can't really explain to you um, the magic that was in that room, but I'm sure it's something that other people have experienced when you go to shows and you just feel very connected uh, to a group of strangers over um, a song. And I explained Tyler's story right before we played the song. And so then everyone saw Tyler and felt kind of this uh, bonding, uh, this kind of special moment. And we played the song and you, you know, saw a glimpse of, of 
kind of what happened during the song. And, and I don't know, we just felt really connected to him. Uh, after the show, I got his phone number. We became friends throughout the years. Watched Tyler as he beat cancer and rang the bell. Um, got close to his brother and his family. And then also watched um, when we found that uh, Tyler had cancer again and, uh, and then passed away. And, and when was that? What that was 2014, uh, yeah. I want to say. Uh, he was like diagnosed four. at 16. Yeah, 14. And 13, I think. Something somewhere around that. It's been a bit of a blur of 10 years for us, but um, I guess I, I don't really know. Um, what, I, it, actually, yes, it was the night of after he passed that I called his brother, and and we talked on the phone and said, you know, what what can we do to help Tyler's, you know impact and legacy live on. We had just signed and he said, well, you know, I, look, why don't we start a foundation together? And I said, okay, well, let's do it. We've never done anything like that. Obviously, the four of us are not very professional <laughs> at, at much but music. Um, and so I called my manager and we started uh, the Tyler Robinson Foundation and asked his family, listen, we don't, we don't know what is going to be most impactful for these families and they said well look there's a lot of unforeseen costs that come into a family's life when a child is diagnosed with cancer a lot of times a parent has to drop out from work you have to change their diet it can be a lot more expensive uh, you have and then on top of it, you have mortgages you have all these car payments you have all these things and then you have you know the average family I think spends forty thousand um, dollars and over fifteen thousand kids are diagnosed with with uh, cancer a year um, pediatric cancer and so it's it's pretty devastating statistics and so what we have done with the Tyler Robinson Foundation is we put together um, we bring into a family's life sorry I know this is a really long answer, no this is great uh, a financial advisor who comes into the family's life helps them put their finances together and helps them uh, take care of all the unforeseen costs that come in with cancer right and what year when was this how, how old is the foundation uh, we've, uh, how many years? Four we just years? had our sixth, uh, our sixth gala this summer. Yeah, and it seems to be uh, doubling pretty much every year. I don't know if exponential growth is a sustainable, you know, model to pursue, but uh, we're going yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. So can you describe, so I guess, some more about, you know, specifically what are you financing here? Because you, you mentioned there are all these unforeseen costs and sort of non-medical costs. But Ben, what are some of the specific ways that you feel like the foundation has helped families? Yeah, there are a lot of um, federal programs that help people with finding medical costs specifically. Um, so we try to help find ways to support them with uh, getting transportation to their medical procedures. A lot of times people have to go out of state in order to find the proper pediatric uh, care. Uh, a lot of times, you know, somebody has to, one of the parents will have to quit their job in order to be a full-time uh, caregiver. And also a lot of times uh, these families, it's not just one child they have with cancer. They have four or five kids and one of their kids has this diagnosis and all of a sudden every extra dollar they have and beyond that is sucked up into trying to pay for these medical procedures. So life is sort of just harder for the family all around. So we'll even go so far as to once a year, we'll try to uh, provide, you know, like a, the opportunity to, to, to just have Christmas presents or to be able to go on a vacation somewhere that they wouldn't otherwise be able to have to support, you know, the rest of their family. Um, but 
throughout the whole thing, we provide them with a personal business planner, a financial consultant that will go through and help them with all of their finances so that after they're done, this, done with this, uh, this ordeal, with this incredibly emotionally and financially draining process, that they're not completely left out to dry, that they haven't sat their resources, spent the resources that we've given them improperly and set themselves up in a really difficult place. You know, we try to set them up for the life beyond the, uh, the treatment. And how do you identify which patients to help? Because I imagine you've, you know, there's any number of families that could use this type of assistance. Yeah, uh, we have, you know, a process. We, we try to find the families that are not otherwise being supported by other programs. We try to find people that are um, uh, above the, uh, the poverty line because there are other pr uh, programs that are supporting them below that. There, there are a number of ways that we, uh, we vet the families. I'm not completely versed in, uh, in every stipulation we go through, but... Uh, we really try to find the way that we can make the most impact, the families that we can really, you know, lift up and, and help to thrive. Daniel, you guys are the main spokesman for the foundation. You recently played a big benefit concert at the foundation's sixth annual gala. Tell us about that event and how much money you raised. Oh my goodness, yeah, the, uh, the annual Tyler Robinson uh, gala, I don't know if it's gala or gala, I, I mean, you're a professional. I'm it's gonna either go wine. Gala. The gala. Uh, we gotta decide. Let's decide in this I'm, room I'm right committing now. In this I'll detect the post style book. I'm not sure. I'm gonna no. You're the, you're the goulash. pro. I'm, I, I, I'm a gala guy myself. I used to be, but no longer. Okay. Tyler Robinson goulash Con converted to gala. Okay. Um, no, it, it was a uh, smash success this year. Uh, the the city of Las Vegas has really been an amazing partner with with TRF. And uh, this year we had a benefit with both the uh, Raiders and the, the uh, Golden Knights, the hockey team. And Shaquille O'Neal. And yeah, Shaq was at the gala. Oh, Shaq was. Uh, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, Ben has a photo with Dolph Lundgren and Shaq. <laughs> so, three, three million, right? Yeah. Check the gram. Uh, three, three 3.2 or 3.5 million was yeah. raised this year at the gala. Um, due to the help of all those people we just named and more. Uh, the city really has gotten behind it. And, uh, you know, we always do a very special, intimate acoustic performance every year. Uh, and, uh, you know, this year we had dancing children and Shaq kept uh, making requests and it was a really special event. Well, and you also had an experience recently where you played for some pediatric cancer patients at a hospital in Utah. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience, any of you really? Wayne, go ahead. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, whenever we do that, it inevitably always feels so similar to that night Dan talked about all those years ago when we played for that show in Provo for two, three hundred people. Um, and, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity to share the stage with a lot of people. We've done a lot of cool things in our career. Um, but that moment still for us is that hasn't been uh, surpassed. And so whenever we play for these kids, it, that, that same sort of feeling um, happens again. And uh, it's a really special thing. And uh, it doesn't happen often, so when it does, we try and soak it all in. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big believer in faith or fate or anything like that, but that night in Provo when we met Tyler Robinson really does feel like something. I, I mean, it was, it was clear that something bigger than us was happening in that room that night and it's something that has carried over into the rest of our lives and become the biggest, most impactful part of, of all of our lives. It's the most meaningful thing that we've, we've been able to do is have this, be part of this foundation. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are really unified on this cause, but was, obviously there are a lot of 
causes you could have rallied around, was it hard to sort of decide that this is the thing that you all wanted to get behind, or was it that moment with Tyler that sort of unified you? It was, it was like a lightning bolt. It was clear that we had to do something. I remember that night, in, it was in Chicago, uh, is when, when he died, and we all got into the car. We were playing the House of Blues. We were doing two nights in a row. It was between our first and second night. And we got into that car to uh, do promo, and we all had a discussion, and it was, it, it, it wasn't even a discussion. It was just, you know, we, we need to make the phone calls and, you know, get this happening. Yeah, to, to know that the Robinson family, like, created this really with us, and, like, like we, we aren't experts on what a foundation would do to help families in need, but they really are experts in, like, if a foundation existed when they were going through this, what would it do? And, and that, I think that's my favorite thing about the, the Tyler Robinson Foundation, is it's, like, it's not stuff we came up with. Like the Robinson family really crafted this to to help other families dealing with a pediatric cancer diagnosis. And yeah. from day one, we had a, our our financial planner, also uh, our business manager Jeff Schwartz, uh, who was a cancer survivor. Um, we called him. That was our first step was calling him because we had no idea what we were doing, and he immediately jumped on board and sacrificed so much of his time, so much of his effort, and gave so much of himself. Uh, in terms of you know his time and and financially to the institution, he actually just passed away this last year. Uh, he was our uh, we we honored him at the gala this last year, but this this would not have been possible without him and without Tyler and without Tyler's family. And it, it's just amazing to see the way everything has come together. And it's just the process of good intentions and everything coming together in a way that it truly must have been meant to be. Yeah, I, I would just add that um, I'm sure everyone in this room can probably agree, and people watching this, um, everyone is affected by cancer. Um, and it really takes the world rallying around the cause uh, to hit it from all different angles. You know, there's a lot of great foundations that do research, uh, research for pediatric cancer, research for all the different types of cancer, but there's also a lot of different foundations that are attacking it from just helping the family. Um, you know, even in this last year, um, I, I come from a family of seven boys, sorry, eight boys, one girl, nine kids. And uh, my older brother uh, this last year just lost his wife to cancer. Uh, it took, it was one year of her diagnosis to her passing, and they have seven kids. Um, and so watching that process for me has just been a constant reminder of how important this work is that everyone is doing, um, and how many people it affects. Um, and so I would just say that, uh, you know, as musicians, we have a very, very selfish life. We really do. We, we get on stage, people laud us and applaud, applaud you, and then we, you know, we, we put out this music, we get interviewed about our lives over and over. And so we've, we really have done very little uh, and in what we could do, you know, it, it was like here's here's a phone call to somebody who's intelligent about this. Hey, let us get on a stage and play some music, you know, at these galas and make a couple hospital visits and stuff. But really, the people that are not on this stage are the people who have done incredible amounts of work. And so I just want to say we have an amazing team of people like Jeff who have sacrificed a, a lot more uh, than we have. To put pediatric cancer in perspective, it's, it's relatively uncommon for kids, makes up fewer than 1% of all cancer diagnoses, uh, but it's still the leading cause of death by disease for kids past infancy. 
and obviously has a, a huge effect on the family and the parents. Um, ben, what are some of the big holes when it comes to funding and research for pediatric cancer, and how's the foundation trying to make up for that? I mean, it's not, it's not all that uncommon. It's, I believe, one in 240-something kids will be uh, you know, diagnosed with cancer, and uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. Um, it's, it's hard to, uh, you know, to be able to support a family and just like face life when you're dealing with this thing. And we just try to, you know, provide a little bit of lightness. We try to take a little bit of weight off of the family. We try to step in there, pay the mortgage, pay the gas bills, you know, everything that, uh, it, it's exactly, it's filling in the holes for all the other programs. It's really obvious to say, you know, you have a child that has cancer, you obviously need these medical bills. You have, you have all these things that are directly related to the disease that you need to take care of. But that disease is not just you know, a medical hardship. It's, it's a social hardship, too. It's a hardship that the whole family has to go through. And we try to help lessen the blow that it takes outside of just the, uh, the realm of the, the medical side of things. It sounds like Tyler made such an impact on all of you. Dean, you talked about this a little bit. But are there any particular memories that you hold on to from him or moments with him that help kind of motivate you as you carry the foundation's work forward? I, I, I think it comes back to sort of your question about, you know, when we play for these kids. Um, I think there's a common factor to all of them is they're just so resilient and so happy. Like, they all have so much energy and so much life in them. Like, these kids, like, you, you, know, you know, I don't know what people expect when you, you go to a hospital where there's sick people and you go to this, uh, this ward of the hospital and you don't know how the kids are going to be. Every single time, these kids are smiling, like the biggest smiles you've ever seen in your life every single time we go. And they're just so full of energy and life and they, they have so much hope. Um, so uh, that's kind of, I mean, Tyler was just like that. He was the epitome of that. He was texting me the week before he passed. Um, we had a show coming up and I think it was in Utah. And at this point we were like playing arenas. And so he had watched kind of the ascent through the years. And he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm coming out to the show and there's this girl that I really like. I was really hoping you could hook me up with a ticket. <laughs> I did have cancer. It was like something to that extent. He would do that. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, our last text exchange was me telling him, you know, that we were going to get him ticket to the show. And, and uh, it, it really was, um, that's the thing with cancer, too, is it, is it, can, it can be gone one, one moment and back the next moment. He was cancer-free that last week of life. And then it was uh, just... The cancer came back out of nowhere. It was like two days prior to him passing that they rediscovered that he had cancer. So it was it it was um, it's just a roller coaster ride, and it's it's uh, you know there's a lot of it's just devastating. I mean, there, there's really no other way to put it. It's devastating, especially with kids who are innocent and happy and smiling. And so mm -hmm. um, our goal is to just do as much as we can to. Um, help alleviate some of that emotional distress and, and financial distress. Daniel, you're uh, sitting, you're in D.C. sitting in front of a very influential audience and there's a lot of talk about pol <laughs> policy Hello. here and uh -oh. funding for cancer <laughs> research. Um, but as someone, you know, coming from the opposite side of the country and with a completely different occupation than most people here, um, what would you want policymakers to know about pediatric cancer? Um, yeah, I think, I think we've already touched on a lot of it, but to reiterate, like, 
Like pediatric cancer is not just a diagnosis for one child. It's like it hits the entire family. And um, you know, like, like Ben was pointing out, um, sometimes you have to go out of state to see a specialist. Sometimes you have um, a very specific diet that's expensive. Um, there, there's other kids in the families a lot of times that you have to care for. So this, this is not just um, an isolated one person diagnosis and it's not just something you can hit with medical uh, bills being paid or extra treatment. Um, there, there's so much more, it's so much more complicated. And um, you know, consider donating to the Tyler Robinson Foundation or coming to our gala and getting a table this year is what I would say. Uh, come join in the magic and uh, you know, it's, it's a, an experience you'll never forget and hopefully uh, you'll be very moved. Yeah, and I think that even though, you know, we are really focused on trying to fill in those holes, there is so much going on with the technology and the progress in the treatment side of uh, cancer and pediatric cancer. I think that, uh, you know, the gene therapy is really, really interesting. And the more funding, the more eyes we can get on that, you know, hopefully someday pediatric cancer won't be a thing that's affecting people anymore. It won't be a thing we have to worry about. And we can shift over to a new cause. Who knows, who knows what other thing we could, uh, but... The, the, our biggest dream would be for the Tyler Robinson Foundation to not need to exist, I think. Yeah. Now, several of you are parents, right? Dan, you said you just, you have a newborn, so yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Two and, weeks. And Wayne, you have some children as well? There's seven children between the four of us, right? And two of us account for all of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> our wives account for all of them. There are children. Yeah. So. so, but how does working with kids who have cancer, how, how has that shifted your own perspective as a parent? I mean, it's, it's uh, definitely a lot heavier. Um, not to say you can't appreciate children unless you have children or something. I haven't had children, so, but I have children. My wife has had children. <laughs> and um, I will say that the thought of one of my, you know, I have a seven-year-old, I have two twin-year-old uh, girls, and then I have a two-week-old two uh, little boy who was just born. And the thought of someone diagnosing one of my children with, with cancer, I, I don't know if I have a greater fear, honestly. I really feel like, you, you know, when your child is hurt, I, I, to begin with, I've always struggled with self-love, so I, I feel like I've, um, well, now I feel like this is a therapy session, but. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. That's I'm I, I don't, uh, yeah, so when my child is hurt, it's like this overwhelming devastating feeling that I've never really felt in my entire life um, of, you know, if this person got hurt, I think everything would just kind of fall apart. Um, that's, you know, I don't know. I mean, all it really takes is just... Why don't you answer this in a way that sounds less dark? <laughs> <laughs> I think it just takes, like, a very small amount of empathy to really put yourself in the place because, like Platt said, there's actually a third of families face, like, possible financial ruin when their kid goes through cancer. Like, I didn't know that. And so putting myself in that position of not only did you get the worst news of your entire life, also you might go bankrupt. It's like to have to battle those two fronts at the same time, to me, I mean, it just takes a slight bit of empathy to really be a cause that you can really get behind. So, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, you, you were asking about when we were playing at the Steve Young Music Therapy Ward in Utah. You know, like, when we went into that ward with, with the children and we passed out instruments and we were doing just acoustic songs and, and singing with these kids, it seemed to, to us like, like the kids were so excited that someone was coming in to, to pay attention to them. And, and like, like I, in that moment, it was like, this is maybe the most important thing we've ever done. And anything that feels anything like this is 
something we're all about. Mm -hmm. And we were all hooked. Dan, you do, do the songwriting, uh, I, I, I understand, or uh, most of the songwriting. I don't want to take credit away from anybody else. We all write together, but okay. just so there's no band fight. <laughs> that we all, okay. we actually Not write trying the to songs create divisions. No, we write the songs, yeah, I just do the lyrics and all. Okay, got yeah. it. So um, that you had mentioned the song It's Time is something that, hi, that Tyler really loved, but has this affected, um, you know, just thinking about pediatric cancer, has it affected you musically as you've been you know, coming up with ideas for songs or lyrics or, you know, is there any way it's kind of changed or shifted um, your perspective in that? Yeah, regard? I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, just any sort of emotional drama in your life uh, or trauma or self-emotion or, you know, people around you affects how you write. You know, I, I've been affected um, absolutely by the time that we have spent around, you know, Families who are really in in a state of desperation, and I, I, I can't, you know, identify a song and say, well, this song was about this, because I don't I don't really write that way. I kind of just write as a journal, and it's kind of just expression of how I'm feeling that day. But certainly on days, you know, I I, I think I write a pro about a song every day, and so I've written songs on days that we've come home from uh, hospital hospitals with kids and who you know. So absolutely, I, I, but I, I couldn't, I, I've never written a song where I'm like, today I went to the hospital, and you know, it's like, ooh, wait, record that. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you were country music singers, you probably would. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bash on country music. No, no, no they're good, <laughs> putting it on the nose. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, so short answer, yes, absolutely, but I, you know, I don't really, yeah, I couldn't identify a song for you. Sure. Um, if people want to get involved with the foundation, whether through volunteer work or do donations, how might they do that? TRF.org is a great place to start. I will just throw out, just so people can understand, that it actually is more legit than the four of us kind of absolute eccentric looking people up here that aren't that well spoken. We've actually helped 10,000 families all around the world, raised nearly $10 million now as of this year. Uh, for how many years we've been a foundation, uh, that's pretty rad. We have a super awesome percentage of money that goes out versus 85 percent. 85, thank you. Which is we we uh, our manager basically we've like kick him every single year <laughs> to work extra so that we can do that. So thanks, Mac, <laughs> uh, who's also my brother. Um, but I'm his boss, just a reminder. And uh, so yeah, it's, it's really legit and amazing. And I'm, I wish that we could be more eloquent in explaining all these wonderful people behind us that do all the real work. And we have this amazing board of accomplished people who have done this for a long time. And, do and it includes the Robinson family also yes. on the board. And so um, long story short, TRF.org, you can, you can donate, and uh, I can assure you that your money is going to an incredible, incredible cause, uh, and yeah, not towards there's, our oh, terrible clothing. There's only a minute left, and you have so many more cards, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, you know. Lightning, lightning round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, actually, we are out of time, but <laughs> to your point, yeah. I want to thank Daniel Platzman, Ben McKee, and Dan Reynolds, and Wayne also for being our guests of honor this morning. And if you want to watch any of today's interviews on playback, please visit WashingtonPostLive.com, and there will also be a podcast version available as well. I'm Paige Winfield Cunningham, and thanks for watching, and please stay for our post reception after the event. Thanks. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.